From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Scleral Lenses, Part 1. In the last couple of years, the use of the devices for ocular surface conditions has really it's become much more common than it had been in the past. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you. Speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. When you think of a patient with severe ocular surface disease, what comes to mind for therapeutic options? The medical options include topical lubricants and anti-inflammatories, or perhaps punctal plugs. The surgical options might include amniotic membrane grifts or even limbal stem cell transplant. But there is a third option, one that not only improves ocular surface health, but improves vision by bypassing the irregular topography that accompanies ocular surface disease. Moreover, it is a therapy that makes the corneal surface more tolerant to subsequent insult. That modality is the scleral lens. I spoke with Muriel Shornak, an expert in this therapy and author of a recent paper on the management of ocular surface disease by means of scleral lenses. Our conversation was lengthy and will be divided into two podcasts. We'll hear part one of my conversation with Dr. Shornak today and the conclusion in the next podcast. Muriel, what are scleral lenses? Scleral lenses are rigid gas permeable lenses that completely rest upon the sclera and measurably vault the cornea and the limbus. Um, Over the last couple of years, there has been quite a bit of confusion regarding the nomenclature of scleral lenses, but in June of 2013, the Scleral Lens Education Society came out with a nomenclature that they recommend. We call lenses that rest entirely on the corneal surface, corneal lenses, of course, We call lenses that extend onto the sclera but still derive support from the cornea, corneoscleral lenses, and we reserve the term scleral lenses for lenses that rest entirely upon the sclera and then maintain that fluid reservoir behind the lens that completely bathes the cornea and limbus. And are are, are scleral lenses something new or are are they a new treatment modality? Actually, this is fascinating. Scleral lenses were the first lenses described in medical literature in the late 1800s. Three ophthalmologists working simultaneously but independently in Germany all described scleral shells, which were either made of blown or ground glass uh, for management of keratoconus, ocular disfigurement, or even correction of 14 diopters of myopia in August Mueller, who investigated his own lenses. Um, So they've been around for a long time, but blown glass lenses were not particularly comfortable, completely impermeable to oxygen, and so caused 
considerable hypoxia after a very short wearing time. So they never really caught on. They were attempted in PMMA materials or polymethyl methacrylate, but again, that material was impermeable to oxygen, and so the contact lens industry gave up on large diameter lenses uh, to a large extent for a number of years and uh, didn't really start to use them again regularly until the 1980s when someone got the brilliant idea, and I say that without the least bit of sarcasm, uh, to make these lenses out of rigid gas permeable materials, which overcame one of the chief barriers, which was hypoxia-induced uh, from lenswear. And Muriel, were these lenses originally designed for the treatment of ocular surface disease? Well, as I mentioned, uh, the earliest lenses uh, were used for correction of refractive error and keratoconus, as well as ocular disfigurement. I recently did a survey of scleral lens-related literature from the 1940s on, and many of these were designed for the correction of refractive error or for the correction of corneal irregularity to provide a visual uh, surface that would provide a nice image to the, to the retina through the lens. Uh, but uh, in the last couple of years, the use of the devices for ocular surface conditions has really become, it's become much more common than it had been in the past. Sure. Now, uh, we've, we've a, a, a patient in our practice uh, newly fitted with a scleral lens for, an, for ocular surface problems, who uh, I'll tell you is doing very, very well. I was impressed when I first saw this, this lens, because to me, the, 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 the lens, particularly for a, for a rigid lens, looks huge. How, how big are, are these lenses typically? Many scleral lenses can be as small as 14.5 millimeters. Many scleral lenses are defined as those that are less than 6 millimeters larger than the horizontal visible iris diameter. Large diameter sclerals can go up to 20 to 25 millimeters in diameter. It's been interesting to watch the evolution of the devices over the course of the last eight years. In Europe, uh, the lenses started out very large at 24 and 25 millimeters and have come down somewhat in size. In the United States, the lenses started out just barely reaching onto the limbus and now are gradually growing. So we seem to be coming to a stopping point around 16 to 18, maybe even a little bit larger than that, um, 16 to 18 millimeters and possibly a bit larger. Can I get you to, to describe the, the, the fitting process? I, I did not fit... Uh, our patient with the scleral lens. I fit soft contact lenses. I fit rigid contact lenses. Um, but how how do you fit these? And are you concerned with compression of the conjunctival vessels? The fitting process is largely trial and error. As you know from your experience fitting rigid gas permeable corneal lenses, you want to align the lens with the cornea as much as possible. So corneal topography plays a huge role in fitting corneal lenses. With scleral lenses, we're not going to touch the cornea, so I really don't care how close a match I get between the back surface of the lens and the front surface of the eye. So the fitting process is really one that's based on sagittal depth. I get topography on all of my patients, or all of them that I can get topography on prior to fitting the lenses, but I use that as 
a tool to follow whether or not corneal contour is being changed through lens wear. Uh, I actually take a look at the lens or the eye from the side in order to get an idea of the depth that I need. And then I choose a lens with approximately the right sagittal depth. I place the lens on the eye. If there is too much space between the back of the lens and the front of the eye, I'll put on a lens with a, a shallower depth, which generally translates into a flatter base curve. If there's not enough space, I will put on a lens that has a steeper base curve. But it is based on sagittal depth rather than base curve. So it's a trial and error method. It uh, doesn't take that long once you get good at it, but you can go through a couple lenses in pretty quick succession when you are first starting to fit these devices. Um, eventually, you come to realize that you know about one lens thickness of fluid reservoir depth behind the lens is kind of what I'm looking for. Which which you, you which 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 you said translates to something like one third of of the the corneal thickness. Uh, one third to one half of the corneal thickness. Of course, some diseased eyes have corneas that are considerably thicker. Of course, than average. Some eyes with keratoconus have corneas that are considerably thinner than average. So I know the thickness of my lenses. They are right around three hundred to three hundred and fifty microns. So I'm looking for about that much space behind the lens as well. Now, once you fit these these lenses, I mean, that's 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 half the game. Um, how, how do you train patients to insert and and remove them? I am very fortunate in that I have two contact lens assistants who are fabulous at working patients through the process. In general, I use a bulbed plunger. The patient applies the lens to the top of the plunger fills the lens to the brim with saline, and then leans forward so that their face is parallel to the floor, holds the lids apart with one hand, and brings the plunger towards the eye with the other hand. Some patients do have difficulty with that. So there's a company in Boston called Dulcy Adaptives. That's spelled D-A-L-S-E-Y, Adaptives that actually makes a plunger with an LED light embedded in the bottom of the plunger. So the patient simply has to guide the lens. Oh, that's uh, clever. The so light. This, this fixation target. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The challenge for most patients is psychological as much as physical. Most people's eyes can be opened to 16, to allow for the application of a 16 to an 18 millimeter lens pretty easily. But, it looks like a fishbowl coming towards your eyes, and so patients can be a bit hesitant. Now, is cleaning these lenses similar to the way that patients clean other rigid gas permeable lenses? Yes, it is. We use a daily cleaner to remove surface debris. That's essential, especially given the fact that many of the patients that we fit do have ocular surface disease and tear film that's not normal. So we're protecting the front surface of the eye and keeping that from getting dry, but now the front surface of the lens can become quite deposited with time. So a daily cleaner, alcohol-based, is what we recommend. I actually started scleral lens fitting, having patients store their lenses in regular rigid gas permeable lens conditioning solutions overnight, but found that 
the residue on those lenses could do one of two things. It could either cause a bit of preservative sensitivity on the cornea if it's trapped in that fluid reservoir all day, or it can cause the front surface of the lens to get a little smeary with time. During the last couple of years, I've discovered that ClearCare, which is a solution based on a hydrogen peroxide cleaning system, uh, designed for soft lenses but approved for use with rigid gas permeable lenses, actually works very well indeed for these patients with ocular surface disease who wear scleral lenses. Let me get you to describe the design of your study. The design of my study was basically a retrospective chart review. Since we began our scleral lens program in 2006, I've maintained a database of scleral lens patients and have followed them, uh, some of them up to eight years now, and so thought it was time to take a look at some of those long-term outcomes. The reason I wanted to do this is that literature is quite clear on initial indications for scleral lens wear and uh, has a number of case reports and small case studies that describe up to a year of follow-up, but I thought we could offer uh, something a little bit different in that we have a much longer follow-up period on some of these patients. And so it was a retrospective chart review. I went back into the charts. I collected uh, data from those charts and compiled it all and wrote it up. And what were your main outcome measures? The first outcome measure was, of course, the therapeutic outcome. I wanted to know if scleral lenses did what we wanted them to do in these patients. In patients with symptomatic ocular surface disease, I wanted to know whether or not their symptoms had decreased with scleral lens wear. In patients with persistent epithelial defects, I wanted to know if those epithelial defects did in fact heal and stay healed during the course of scleral lens therapy. And finally, in patients with neurotrophic keratopathy who were at high risk for developing an epithelial defect, I wanted to know whether or not we were able to avoid those defects uh, with scleral lens wear. And it turns out that um, we were quite successful in all three of those areas. We'll end today's podcast here and pick up where we left off next time. Muriel Shornak comes to us from the Mayo Clinic Department of Ophthalmology in Rochester, Minnesota. Her paper, Scleral Lenses in the Management of Ocular Surface Disease, appears in the July 2014 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Shornak or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.